Hello and welcome back to the My Entertainment World podcast and today we are reporting live from the Toronto Screenwriting Conference where I'm going to be sitting down with Stacey Rukeyser who is the showrunner of Unreal which is Lifetime's uh, satire but she calls it a character drama. It is also, it is both of those things at once um, which is based on The Bachelor uh, as a avowed fan of both The Bachelor and Unreal which is a very strange combination to hold in my head at one time. I was really excited to talk to Stacy to find out all of the background on the show and how it gets made and how what happens on The Bachelor and in the whole Bachelor franchise affects the show whether she watches that show or not. Um, so I was really excited to talk to her. She has a great TV resume. She's a huge TV fan which I love talking uh, to people who love TV especially ones who make TV. Um, so I hope you enjoy the interview. And uh, we have another TSC interview for you as well, Chip Johansson from Homeland. So that should be up on the feed. Uh, make sure you check that out. The, the thing that really kicked off my career was this fellowship program that Warner Brothers has called the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. And um, I had wanted to be a writer before that and had been trying to be a writer before that, but I was not selling shows or getting hired on other shows. And so um, in that Warner Brothers program, they not only teach you how to be a TV writer and about one hour structure and things like that, um, but they also introduce you to agents, which they introduced me to the people who became my agents. And you also meet a lot of um, showrunners who are doing the hiring. And so I met a showrunner named Ed Redlick who hired me for my first job, which was Without a Trace on that program. And also Warner Brothers makes you very desirable because you make sort of 60% of what Writers Guild minimum is. Ah. Um, but it was so much more money than what I had been making before <laughs> because I was tutoring kids to make money while I was trying to be a writer. So I was just like, pay me whatever you want. I'm so excited to be right. in this business. And so Without a Trace was my first um, show. That was in 2002. And then I have just sort of worked my way up, staffing on different shows since then and writing pilots and movies and that whole thing. Other than without getting to, into Unreal yet, yeah. um, is there a project that really stands out as really important to you? Well, so much of it is about the people that you meet um, and who become mentors to you. So Glenn Mazzara is a great mentor to me, has been for a long time. I first worked with him in 2006 on a um, show for Fox called Standoff. And then I went on to work with him again on um, the TV version of Crash for the first season. Um, and I love working with Glenn because I love his approach to character and storytelling. And so... Um, uh, and sort of the, the, the tough adult storytelling that we were trying to do on, on Crash um, was fun because I have written um, a bunch of teen shows as well. And um, it's really fun to write those because it's totally character-based. And so coming off of procedurals, like Without a Trace, and then I was on another Bruckheimer show called Fearless. And then I got to write character stuff for a while. But for me, the sweet spot is character stuff that's also adult and pretty gritty and hard-hitting. <laughs> So, unreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how did you get involved exactly. with that show? So, um, Marty Noxon is the one who hired me, and Marty, um, I had worked with Marty once before on a show called Gigantic um, for Teen Nick, and um, so she, when we started Unreal, Marty had um, both Unreal and also Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce on Bravo at that time, um, and so she said, will you come and run Unreal when I'm not there, and um, so I did. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure people tell you this all the time, but I have to talk to you about The Bachelor. Okay. <laughs> do you watch The Bachelor first and foremost? I, do, I, I used to watch it when it first started, okay. but I have not watched it in a long time. Um, and I didn't, in fact, watch it more when I um, got this job. But there are um, a couple of things that happened on The Bachelor that have sort of been noisy enough in the cultural conversation <laughs> that I um, heard about them. One of them, of course, was um, that they had, after we had an African-American suitor, the first African-American suitor on our show, they had a, an African-American um, sutress. <laughs> and um, that was exciting. And then also the whole scandal that happened on Bachelor in Paradise, um, I definitely heard about that, and that was a big part of the inspiration for season four of Unreal. Ah. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, so have you gotten, um, obviously the producers of that show and even some of the cast members must have like very strong feelings <laughs> about Unreal. Do you hear much pushback from them? Um, I wouldn't say pushback. What we hear a lot is, oh, from people who work in reality television sort of across the board, is that is exactly how it is. Unreal is so real. It's really? so real. Yeah. It's not heightened for That is effects. not what we hear. I mean, we constantly think that. Um, and there are things even, in, and Constance Zimmer, who plays Quinn, you know, she talks a lot about this one story point that happened in season two where Rachel poisons Yael, hot Rachel, and she poops her pants. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I remember Constance was like, this is too far. This is too far. This is now. This is too far. And then it aired. And like a couple of weeks later, somebody on The Bachelor pooped their pants. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was like, you know, there's, it seems very hard these days to go further than what's happening in real life. And of course, that was built in when Marty and Sarah wrote the pilot so much. I mean, it was about a few things, but a big part of it was sort of pulling back the curtain on reality television and talking about how destructive these shows are, in particular the competition dating shows are to our culture because it's basically saying that that's who you're supposed to be as a woman is, um, you know, look really good in a bikini, don't ever talk about your work really or have any problems, just be available all of the time and supportive of the guy and whatever he wants to do and in exchange he will come pick you up in a helicopter and take you to Bali for dinner mm -hmm. and that is what a relationship looks like and that's crazy mm -hmm. you know and not to mention all of the producing that goes into it and the manipulation of the women in particular and the sort of hate watching that goes along with it I just don't think it's good for any of us, the people who are making it or the people who are watching it. And that's a big part of sort of what we're constantly trying to talk about on the show. Right. Do you have a lot of former producers who are involved who you work with as consultants? No. We only have Sarah Shapiro, who's the co-creator of the show, who worked on um, The Bachelor. And the show was inspired by the short film that she wrote and directed that was about her time there. Um, yeah. But that's it. And then we, um, for the upcoming fourth season, it's a slightly different format. It's Everlasting All-Stars. And so there is a challenge in every episode as well as an elimination ceremony. And so we did have to do a little bit of research, like, how does this work? You know, a challenge show. And it was a little bit more like Survivor in that way. Right. Um, so we did have some writers and assistants on the show who 
are a little bit more obsessive about those kinds of shows. But we did bring in somebody else who was a contestant on that show and then another executive on that show. Um, there's a lot of math that's involved in that, though. <laughs> it's like, okay, you get this many, this person eliminated here. you got to have right numbers of men and women. There was a lot of uh, whiteboard calculations that needed to happen. Right. Um, I don't want you to spoil anything, yeah. but um, the Survivor competitions are very physical and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Bachelor did have a show that involved a competition aspect. And the competitions tended to be more things like the kissing competition and sexy oh. twister which version are we seeing on season four of Unreal? um we do not have a kissing competition <laughs> or a sexy twister um maybe those would have been good no um they're more um physical i will say um i mean those are also better visuals anyway right. <laughs> i think but they really are um I mean, there are some that are then become mental or emotional challenges, but especially right at the beginning of the season, they're definitely physical challenges. Right. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this idea of you, you essentially revamp every season yeah. by doing a new season of Everlasting yeah. with your core characters, but then you have a whole new set of supporting characters. Can you tell us a little bit about casting those and introducing a whole new world basically every season? Yeah. Um, I mean... It's both incredibly challenging and incredibly exciting at the same time. Um, So, for example, just for season three, since it's already aired, um, we had talked since the very beginning of the show that eventually we would do a female um, sutras. And then it was just about deciding, well, what kind of a woman do you want to do? And what kinds of stories do you want to tell? And and what themes are you interested in? And, um, And so... Sarah and I sat down for a couple of weeks before we started the writer's room to talk about what was personal for us, you know, and and the story that we ended up with, with the sort of feminist sutras and the kind of um, challenges that working women and successful women are finding in the romantic field, like that was incredibly personal to me. Um, You know, I was 37 when I met my husband. I definitely had started to think it's probably not going to happen for me and probably not going to have kids and get married and that's okay because my career is going well, but I was definitely kind of lonely and sad about it and wondering like, why is that? And people would say like, oh, you're so intimidating, but I didn't feel intimidating. And so anyway, all of these kinds of themes, this was what was interesting to us. But then of course you're building, okay, who are the guys? Um, And that um, was really fun. We basically had like the United Nations of hot guys (laughs) that we were (laughs) casting. Um, And some of it is just fun, like, you know, the, the Russian, ballet dancer was inspired um, by this um, dancer that that Sarah had found and um, and every season it's like that there's sort of the wild fun one and then what are we trying to say and so for season three we were really also looking at who is the right partner for a woman like that should she be with more of an alpha male like Jasper someone who is a sort of has a career of comparable magnitude and they'll travel the world together and they'll um, be a sort of a power couple Um, or should she be with the beta guy who doesn't have as big a career but he's such a sweetheart and maybe he'll be available to stay home more with the kids and and let her kind of be the star in the public eye and is that the right person or someone else but so then it's like you're going into casting okay so who is that character then who's the alpha guy who's the beta guy all of that um and it's it's a lot of roles to cast too because you basically have you know 10 that are pr- the primary sort of speaking roles for all of the contestants so that's just it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
going into the fourth season, mm-hmm. are we going to see some of our favorites from the first three? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what's been announced, but I, I think it's been announced. So August is back, and um, Alexi is back. Um, a couple of other people who I don't think I'm supposed to talk about yet. Um, and then um, and then there are people who are all-stars from seasons of Everlasting that we have not seen yet. Right. Are we getting people from the first two seasons? I'm not supposed you to say know. anymore. You don't know? Okay. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing that I have said is that, unfortunately, Adam is not coming back. Everybody wants Adam to come back. Okay, and, not you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Well, then you will All-Star not be disappointed. very rarely bring back leads. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, well then, <laughs> then, then you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like rejected contestants who then hook okay. up with each other, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, were you involved at all with the web series that you did? I can never remember the character's name. But the the web Faith series. Diaries? Faith, yes, yeah, I loved her. No, that was all Sarah. That was all Sarah. Um, uh, yeah, no, Faith is such a fan favorite. She does appear in the fourth season. I think that has been um, announced too. Um, but she's a fantastic Brita is an incredible actress um, and it was also a great character and she was great for a lot of reasons not only her personal story that she was going through and coming to terms with who she really is as a person but also what it did for Rachel because here's Rachel who has been incredibly manipulative um, and dark with a lot of the other women but she actually helped Faith you know and protected her and that did a lot just from a very technical storytelling point of view for her character as well. Um, so the show walks the line um, between like harsh reality and really soapy fun really consistently. Um, you talked about the idea that there's like nothing you can do that's too <laughs> too unreal for reality mm-hmm. and where ba- The Bachelor is right now. Um, but are there storylines that have been pitched in the writer's room where you, for character reasons, have said, no, that is too far for Rachel to go or for Quinn to go? It's interesting. Um, we, the only thing that really comes to mind is this um, story that we pitched for the first season where um, Rachel was going to have sex with like the UPS delivery guy. <laughs> and what it turned into is in the episode where um, Rachel's masturbating in her grip truck. And, um, and, it, and it turned out really great because then she ends up, like she is not able to get off um, she's, when she's masturbating to porn, but she eventually has an orgasm when she's masturbating to her, like, her home videos with Jeremy and them being in love. And that, and that said a lot about her as a character that that is what she was missing sort of in her life. But when we first were talking about it, it was just sort of she was going to be acting out whatever upset was going on at that time by having sex with the UPS guy. And um, the network, I remember they were like, this is too far. (laughs) And they were like, when did Rachel become a sex addict? And um, we were like, she's not a sex addict. She's just having sex with the UPS guy. (laughs) Um, But that was, um, was really too far. And then in the third season for Quinn, um, the really controversial episode of like, is it too far for her is um, with the little girl and when she ends up running into the street. And I will say that when we pitched the whole season, um, it was always pitched as Quinn goes too far and Quinn puts the child in danger. And, um, and she puts the kid on the proverbial train tracks. And then when it came time to actually breaking that episode and figuring out what are the proverbial train tracks, um, it was 
challenging because even stuff that didn't seem like so bad to us, um, we were getting the note like, this is too far, this is too far. I think originally it was like she knew the kid was um, allergic to peanut butter and she hides the EpiPen or something like that. But it was like, no, no, no. And it, and it was really a lesson to me that it was like, Rachel and Quinn can do these terrible things to people, but doing it to a child really takes it to another level. And so that's why the way that it ended up was inadvertent. Like, yes, she scares the kid with a clown, which is the kid's one fear, but she had no idea that the kid was going to run out into the road. Right. That was not set up on purpose. And, and oh my gosh, she ran into the road. And there happened to be a truck coming at that moment. But, um, but that was, you know, it was interesting because it didn't seem in its final form on the page to me, it didn't seem like a big deal at all, but the reaction to it was like, wow, yeah, people really do feel like, whoa, Quinn, like bring it in. And, and looking at the editing of it, it was so carefully parsed and, and re-edited and re-edited many times. What is the look on Quinn's face when it happens? Right. Um, and what is her reaction? And making sure we had that moment that even Quinn is horrified mm -hmm. and scared. And then it's okay. And oh, that's really good TV. And so you get all of that in a completely nonverbal way from Constance. Thank God she's just an incredible actress and she could do that <laughs> for us. Uh, so something you tackled really interestingly in season three is the double standard and this idea that like the suitors can get away with some things that the sutress can't get away with. Yeah. Do you find as a show with two female leads, two strong, complicated female leads who are sometimes hard to love, that you have a harder time, quote unquote, getting away with things? Well, that's, um, I mean, we've been really lucky. I mean, we have an incredibly supportive studio and network that, um, sure will give us notes about like Quinn cannot hide the EpiPen <laughs> from the child um, but she can still be as you say complicated and, and flawed and and make bad choices um, but it's interesting and this is of course what we're talking about this this weekend more you know within the screenwriting conference and unlikable female protagonists and how hard that is it's also goes as far as um, the show itself being taken seriously. You know, you hear a lot like, oh, it's my guilty pleasure. And um, look, there's fun sex and romance and all of that kind of stuff, which is, I guess, your traditional guilty pleasure. Um, but a show that's about the experience of two smart, complicated women, I don't think you should feel guilty about that, you know? And I think oftentimes shows with female leads are ghettoized in that way and they're not taken as seriously by the critics um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that that we need to increase the numbers of female critics so that um, you know this experience of women and putting it on screen is valued a little bit more um, so but I it's what my whole talk here this afternoon is <laughs> going to be about is like what do you do when you get that note because you will get that note of she's unlikable we need to make her more likable and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I do feel that it happens more often than you get it. I mean, um, on men, but I will point out on Breaking Bad where he's like, that's sort of the example everybody uses, but right from the get go in the pilot, you understood where he was coming from because he was sick and he was trying to provide for his family. And that was the motivation. And it wasn't just that he was this monolith, you know? It sort of went down that road, but, but yeah, I mean, I do wonder, I wonder how it would have been different for a woman, but I do feel like even they 
sort of service that note of understanding why this person is doing this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess the, the closest comparison would be weeds, right? Which uh -huh. is a sort of similar thing. Yeah. Um, well, in that setup too, she was in a pickle when it all started. Yeah. Didn't know how to make money, you know? And so there's always that motivation that needs to be there. Right. Um, so you were just talking about the talk that you're giving at the Toronto Screenwriting Conference, which is why we're here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you're asked all the time for tips and things like that. What's your go-to advice for young writers? Well, to write a lot. I think everybody thinks, I finished a script and now I'm going to send it out, you know. And sure, you should send it out. I mean, I know for me, the first script that I wrote was a feature and it actually ended up getting optioned and I was paid $5,000 for that option. So to me, those things were huge. I mean, nothing has ever happened with that movie. <laughs> it has never been made, but it was enough encouragement that I thought, oh, this is what I should be doing, and so I kept writing. And the same thing can come from being a finalist in a writing competition or getting into some kind of um, fellowship program. It's encouraging, but I think that you need to write a lot, not only to learn what you're doing and get better at it, but just also to see what do you like to write? You know, should I be writing more comedy? Should I be writing more drama? Do I like writing procedurals? Do I like writing more character stuff? I feel like you need to do it to have the experience um, to know if you like it or not. And it's, it's much more... Um, I think common these days for people to be writing original samples, to be writing pilots, and that's good, but I also like to read spec scripts still because when you're getting hired on staff, that is what you have to do is be able to write like the showrunner and, and write in the voice of that person. And so you just want to see simple technical things like can you write scenes? Can you write to act outs if there are act outs? Um, can you write in the voice of the show? So I always say to people, please write both. Like absolutely write that original sample that's going to show me how your mind works and what you're really into, but then also, mm -hmm. you know, write this other thing. And the advice I give, whether you're writing a spec script or um, a pilot, is the biggest fatal flaw is just to be boring for me <laughs> because you know we're reading a lot of scripts and I think that's true even for 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 shows new shows that you see on the air and it's like just have something really exciting or different happen in the first few pages you know there's a reason that there are teasers and even shows that don't have teasers before you get to the main title or whatever else write it as if there is because that's what's gonna make somebody keep reading basically Okay. And last two questions. Yeah. What, were your, what was the show that made you want to write TV, and what's your favorite show now? Okay. Well, I was super into Charlie's Angels as a kid, <laughs> and I was so into Charlie's Angels that I remember when I moved to L.A., I was like saying, you know, I want to do shows like Charlie's Angels where it's these smart, strong women, and they're solving crimes. And someone actually said to me, that was a spelling show and they were running around at, without a bra and I was like what I had no awareness of that whatsoever I was really just you know inspired as this young girl about that they were smarter and there was yeah there was a boss but he wasn't really involved um and so I love love loved that um and now you know I love anything with a complicated um female protagonist so I love The Handmaid's Tale I love The Crown. I think that Queen Elizabeth is a very complicated, flawed um, female protagonist. I love Homeland. I love The Americans, especially this last season, which was so much about her. Um, and uh, and I loved something that is not necessarily a complicated female protagonist, but I loved Barry. I <laughs> thought it was so 
well done and that tone that was laugh out loud funny but also very very dark um and a concept that you would never I feel like do the one-liner and have people watch I thought it was fantastic so that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you rate and review on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MyEntWorld. That's my E-N-D world. And check out everything we have happening on the website. That's MyEntertainmentWorld.ca. Thanks, guys.